Welcome to NLR Kickoff, episode 33, with your hosts, Dan Power and Pete Steinberg, and also special guest, MLR referee, Scott Green. Hey folks, welcome to episode 33. That is right, we have a special guest kicking off the show tonight. It is one of the leading referees in Major League Rugby. Uh, Scott Green joins the show. Greeny, thank you so much for getting on tonight, my friend. Hey, it's a pleasure, Dan. Thanks for having me, mate. Mate, we usually kick the show off with a travel tip, and uh, if there's anyone in Major League Rugby who travels as much as the commentators, it is the referees. We often find ourselves on the road with you guys, same hotel, same flights. Mate, what have you got for a travel tip that we may not have picked up on, on the referee side of things? Yeah, look, uh, for me, what I've what I found works best is, you know, I, I like to have a little bit of downtime before my flight, so... I like to get to the airport a little bit early and go hop up in the in the lounge, in the United Lounge is uh, or the Delta Lounge. They're the two two accesses I have there. So for me, yeah. So don't want to be rushing around in the morning. I like to get there a little bit early. Go upstairs, grab a coffee, you know, have have some cheese and crackers, and um, you know that's how I start my travel travel day, mate. So get yourself a pass, get yourself one of those credit cards, and get into the lounges. And you never know who you'll meet in there. I've met some interesting people, some famous people in the uh, lounges out throughout the country too. Yeah, I mean, it's good. I, I got caught in Austin last or two weeks ago. There was a big rainstorm that came through. I was meant to be flying out um, and we got caught there for five hours. Now, I went upstairs, put my feet up, watched a couple of games of rugby, had a cup of coffee, you know, hydrated as you do being a professional athlete. And, uh, you know, I didn't have to hang out in the madness that was Austin Airport. So... It's it's well worth the the money and uh, it just takes takes the edge off and makes travelling a little bit easier because it does wear on you after nineteen weeks on the road. Yep, totally get that, my friend. Let's jump into a little bit of Scott Green now. So, second year of Major League Rugby, you were chosen to referee the championship game last year in San Diego. How was that experience for you? Can you talk us about when you found out that you had the championship game and how was that build up for you for a game like that? Yeah, well, I was um, I was at home and and our referee manager uh, Richard Every gave us a call or gave me a call and, and um, you know let me let me know that I'd been chosen to do the first final and obviously that's a great honour. Um, it was you know exciting um, but mainly uh, scary and overwhelming you know because it's, there's a lot of pressure on there to to get it right so. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to prepare, you know, um, you sort of go in there, you hold on and just hope that you don't make, you know, a call that affects the outcome of the game. You know, that's really, really how you deal with the final game. A lot of the focus is on the players and the reaction of the players post-game, like post-championship, like a big, big game like that. You go back to the locker room with your assistants. Like, what's the vibe in the field? Does it have that same energy as it does for the players, or is it more of a sense of relief for you guys once you get that out of the way? And like you said, I thought you were outstanding in the final two. Um, you know, we had a great game with Seattle and Glendale. But what what's the the downtime post game like for you after such a big game like that? Yeah, it, it's definitely a more of a sense of relief. Like you got through it, and then you're hoping that you haven't uh, you know made any calls that you know directly influence the outcome of the game one way or, or the other, um, you know, and with the final, if I, if I remember correctly, there was a couple of times we went up to, to up to the TMO, we had to um, call back one try from Matt Turner. Yeah, obstruction. Uh, yeah, that the was obstruction a good call, one. 
then we went again for uh, upstairs for a call. Um, Grounding on Rasalika. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. there were some big calls there during the game that, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we think we, we, we got them right. So that was a relief. But you don't know until you watch the game back. So there's a period of time where you're sort of, you know, a little bit nervous. Uh, then you go, you watch the game. Well, I like to watch the game as soon as possible. So I either know uh, I, whether I can relax and enjoy the weekend or if I have to prepare myself for the uh, debrief with my referee coach. Yeah, in- interesting the different perspectives because when I go back and rewatch the game, I just watch the open when I'm on camera and then I stop it once the game starts. I couldn't be really bothered with all the action after that once I'm off camera. Um, you know, yeah, you have, well, I'm the yeah. same actually. I, I fast forward through the intro because you know it's it's hard on the eyes, and then just watch the 80 minutes. Yeah, crazy that crazy two peas from the same pod. I love it, mate. Let's jump into 2019 now because you know a different. Different year for a lot of you know different uh, aspects of Major League Rugby. For the officials included, uh, there's been a lot of uh, introduction of referees through an exchange program uh, with referees coming in and out. Has that made it a little bit more difficult for you personally to, to manage your schedule this year or do you welcome having the other refs come in and kind of take a little bit of load off you as well? Yeah, I think, Dan, much like um, a, a rugby player uh, in the competition when when they have a, a big name player come over and join the team, I, I think it adds adds to the team. Um, you know, the the younger players or the less ex- experienced players, they can look up to these referees and learn from them. And I think with the referee group, it's not much different. It's really uh, the, the, the same idea. So, you know, when we have, um, you know, referees with big experience coming over, for me, I, I like to look up to them, try to get assigned to AR with them so I can learn as much from them as possible and, and it's also there's a little bit of competition there where you're trying to you know match yourself against their skills and see where you sort of uh, stack up at the end of the day so for me it's been really positive um, and most of the referees all of them actually that have come over have been you know really good people top blokes they've really added to the to the program um, so it's been a real positive for me and the group as a whole. Now you've made that jump from being a player to a referee and it's you know it's been a pathway that has been explored and, and successful in some cases as well. When you made that jump, who were your inspirations as a referee? Who did you kind of look at and go, I'm going to kind of model my game like this? Or did you kind of keep the perspective of a player and say, as a player, what referee would I like to be refereed by? Well, I think at first when I jumped over, I really had no idea what I was getting into. Like I really had you know, zero idea. And as a player... You know, very rarely did I even know there was a referee on the field until they penalised me for um, apparently cheating. So, um, you know, I, I sort of went into refereeing quite naive and not knowing what to expect and, and definitely not realising how hard it would be. So, you know, that's sort of how I got into it. And I was shocked in my first game. I just I was like, I just don't know how these guys are doing it. Um, but for me coming up, it was Steve Walsh was, was a sort of an inspiration. And I think at the time, he was sort of a, a bit of a maverick and a little bit different. He was a little bit edgy and, you know, um, where some of the referees were at that time seemed a little bit more stuffy. So old Steve Walsh was a, um, someone that I sort of looked up to and tr- tried to emulate coming up. And then, of course, you know, Chris Pollock came from my hometown. He is, he's from Hawke's Bay. And uh, so he was quite inspirational as well. And as it turns out, he is now um, one of our referee coaches. So 
you know, that's that's been a real uh, real buzz for me, mate. So the other two, you know, big time referees that I looked up to when I was coming up, and of course, you know, locally or within the states, you know, Richard Every's been you know a great mentor and um, you know referee coach for me over the last well, probably nine or eight years, eight or nine years, I guess. So they're, they're probably the three the three guys that inspired me the most coming up. Is it true that Richard Every doesn't have a reflection? That, that's what some people say, but you know, you know, there's a saying in New Zealand we we call call people jaffers, and it's like it's a candy over home, and uh, the heart on the outside is like a hard shelled candy with soft milk chocolate in the middle. It's really delicious. So Richard Every's a little bit like that candy, where you know a hard exterior, um, but once you get through that, he's actually soft and quite sweet on the inside, and uh, you know he's he's a he's a top bloke. He, he really cares about. You know, rugby. He's got a passion for refereeing, and um, we're we're better off having him, you know, around. So now he, he's a top bloke. This looks a little bit scary, but a, a, a big sweetheart, mate. Yeah, I got stuck in a van for two and a half hours in Utah with him. He is a uh, he is a sweetheart. I do like Richard Every as much as I give him grief, but that's just the way we are, isn't it? Yeah. Mate, Aladdin's back in the movies right now, so I'm gonna I'm gonna play the role of Will Smith here, and you will play the role of Aladdin. Uh, also an actor who has outstanding hair, uh, as do yourself. Mate, three wishes. You've got three wishes for the officials for Major League Rugby. So give the give the lamp a little rub and then three wishes that you would like to have overnight for the officials for Major League Rugby. Oh, that's a good question, mate. I think, um, first of all, I would like a... Um... I think an alternative uh, color to our to our our kit. So when we're refereeing Utah and uh, San Diego, you can see the referee. I think that would be good for everyone, right? Um, that that would be nice. Uh, first class plane tickets uh, to and from. Uh, well, count me in on that one, buddy. Yes, uh, that would be nice. And um, oh, what was the last? If I had one more wish. What would it be? Oh, it's a tough one. Now, I guess it would be to make no mistakes. I guess would be would be the ultimate wish as a referee is that to have have the perfect match. Oh, I like it. I like it. Yeah, for everyone. Class, yes, first class tickets, another, another kit, and uh, you know, no mistakes. No mistakes. That's good. That's three really good wishes there, Greeny. I'm I'm real happy. I put you on the spot, and you've come through. You've delivered. Oh, well, I appreciate that. You know. Hey, Greedy, you want, to, yes. you want to do some review from the weekend? Let's talk about some of the games. Maybe you can talk about the referee's performance. Or maybe yeah, yeah we, we have a little look. Hey, we have a little nibble. We'll have a squeeze. Okay, let's jump into the games. Thursday, it was Toronto against Austin. It was the makeup game. You, uh, you're you an Austin native. The elite, they couldn't get out a few weeks ago because of the weather. It sounds like you may have been stuck in the same weather. So this was a makeup game for that. 24-13, tight game up there. Uh, Arrows get it done with a bonus point win. Um, and keep their season well and truly alive. So they push forward. Uh, Mo Chowdhury, Chowdhury or Chaudhry? What am yeah, I going Chaudhry, on? I Chaudhry. Yes, yes, I believe yep. so. The MC. Uh, firstly, what would you give his performance uh, out of ten? Yeah, look, I, I think um, for a, for a new referee in the competition, he's doing he's doing really well. And as we know, it's 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 tough. It's a tough place to to um, you know learn learn your chops right in the middle you know, on camera. Um, so I think he's coming on really nice, nicely. Um, so it was only a second game in the competition. So, um, you know, considering that, I think he's he's a, he's a coming along really well. And, you know, a few more games under his belt, a little bit, little bit more experience. 
I think Mo will be a, a staple in the competition coming up next year. Um, I've spent a couple of days with him up in Canada, and uh, he's the nicest bloke you'll ever you'll ever meet. So it's always good to have you know good people in the group, um, supportive guys, and uh, Mo definitely is that. So yeah, a hard game. Austin, Austin you know, under under the pump this season, and uh, they're they're frustrated, and uh, that sometimes comes out on the field. So it, it was no easy game for him. Um, and Toronto also, they put a lot of pressure on the referee and force you into making making decisions, and uh, they, they like to give you a little bit of feedback too. So a tough game for him. So I think he came out, you know, okay after that performance, for sure. There you go. One of the nice guys. Cut him some slack, player. Players who listen to this show, cut Mo some slack, all right? Stop chirping off at him and let him referee the bloody game, and you just play the game. Am I right, Greeny? Yeah, I think that's great advice. You know, we're, you know, we're all we're all trying to do our best out there, and um, it means a lot to to the referees to have a good performance, just like it does to the players. And you know, sometimes uh, you know a player might knock a ball on, and um, they have a whole team to come and and you know gather around them and pump them back up for the next play. And it's no different for a referee when they when they make a mistake. You know, they feel it just the same way, but they don't have the forwarding other guys to sort of pump them back up. So, yeah. Yeah, well said. Mate, this game had a, an interesting feel to it, right? It was Toronto knowing they had to play two games in the space of four days uh, against uh, Austin and then Utah later in the week. Uh, so on the Sunday, I believe it was, Sunday afternoon. Not not the greatest performance from the Arrows, but I think it was a pleasing performance in that they got the bonus point win and keep their season alive. So they uh, we'll talk about the Arrows a little bit more in depth as we get to their later game in the week. Uh, moving on, Greeny, we go to Saturday. It was the uh, CBS game of the week. It was, let me just pull it up here, New Orleans and San Diego. And uh, I called this game. So out of 10, mate, what would you give my call? Yeah, look, look you do a good job. You do a good job always. Yeah. So you, you're, you're one of the faves out there. So um, the accent's a bit rough. but uh, Sorry, you know, I'm working you know, on it. But uh, it, not too bad. And look, we were all excited for this game. Um, top of the table clash. You know, it should have been it should have been the best game in the world. I don't know if it really it really sort of sparked off. I think maybe a little bit of pressure on both teams, um, and then of course that uh, the weather out there ninety ninety five percent humidity, and um, I guess that just sucks the energy out of everyone. Yeah, you could tell you could tell how uh, how tiring it actually was out there, mate. You could see the players just get sacked immediately. 95, 96% humidity. The worst part was, Greeny, is there was a bunch of rain the night before, and that's the, the big reason. It was one of those two cells that moved through the south there that cancelled the Houston-Glendale game. The ground was just saturated, and, and you're a Texas man. You know what it's like. Yeah, you know. That water it, comes up when the, yeah. the sun comes out. Oh, it's tough. It's, it's a tough place to go and, and, and perform because, you know, unless you've been down there and you live in it, it, it just saps your energy. Um, you know, it, it's even for the referee – it's it's tough to to maintain your focus for eighty minutes in those conditions. But look, we, yeah, I watch a game, and obviously the San Diego scrums quite dominant, and they sort of you know impose themselves early and often on the on the Nola scrum. But um, New Orleans, they can strike from anywhere, and Christian Blewett uh, is is a phenomenal player, and I think he picked up a couple of beauty tries as he always does, um, and it was quite exciting. And again, went all the way down to the final, I believe, where. Uh, you know, Nola nearly nearly pinched it at the end, right? 
They did. There was uh, really the story of their afternoon, mate. They could not really convert in the red zone. They copped up the ball quite a bit and had a chance to really have a good conversation with Nate Osborne, the head coach of NOLA afterwards. And he was quite uh, philosophical about the game, understanding that, hey, San Diego, one of the top sides, no shame in, in losing to one of the top sides. But, you know, given another opportunity, I think he was confident they could make the corrections and win that game if given the the chance. But it was it was fascinating at the end of the game because you had, you know, San Diego, the number one defense against Nola, the number one offense. Nola has the ball in the 22, you know, and then San Diego has to defend. Now they're missing their leaders. Lou Stanfield's off the field, one of their defensive leaders, as is Patty Ryan. And then the big one is Joe Peterson, like who is the actual, you know, spiritual leader off that side and one of the big yeah. keys in communication defense. For New Orleans, they're missing Cam Dolan. They're missing Tristan Blewett as well. So it's like well, our two biggest attacking weapons off the back of the scrum in the line out and then out in the back line are missing. So it was a case of the substitutes really standing up and it was Ty Noso who did a little bit of uh, clock winding backwards and got the try that got him the win. But again, San Diego, 91% success on their tackle rate. And as they have been all year, that's been the cornerstone of their games, Greeny. And you've refereed them a few times. They do flirt with the uh, with the line there, but they're definitely one of the most disciplined and uh, well-functioning defences in the league. Yeah, look, I, I, both, both teams are quite enjoyable to referee. The, the style of rugby they play is, is really, really positive. Um, you know, as a referee, it's always good to to get out there when there's a couple of teams that want to throw the ball around and want to attack. And you know, both Nola and San Diego play that way. Um, I'm lucky enough to be going and getting their their return fixture down in in San Diego um, in a couple of weeks. So I think you know, hopefully, with with a little better weather condition, um, a little bit less humidity, and, and on a beautiful um, Southern California day down in. Torero Stadium, it's going to be a, a an awesome match, and and um, you know, it's good. yeah, very exciting to be part of that one in a, in a few weeks. Mate, let's move on to the big game of the week. It's the uh, the Scott Green game, we'll call it, because I know there were thirty players out there, but I couldn't take my eyes off the man in the middle, uh, looking fresh in his pink outfit. Scott Green, this game was yours. It was uh, one way traffic for about forty five minutes. And then Rooney woke up and came home with the surge. Ended up just holding on, though, did Seattle. They get the win, I believe it was 38-31. That's right. Yeah, look, I don't think anyone expected um, the game, you know, the first half to be to be as it was. I think we were all expecting a, a lot tighter battle uh, between, you know, two teams that were, you know, uh, I think, what, five and six on the table at the time, um, you know, it was uh, it was a lot different than anticipated. With San Diego, I'm uh, sorry, uh, Seattle, just you know, three quick tries there um, really opened up the Rooney defence, um, and they they were uh, you know pretty much shell shocked under the sticks there in in the first half. So uh, we we all thought coming into the halftime break that uh, you know Seattle had locked that one up quite quite nicely, and you know we come out in the second half um, and pretty much. Straight away, uh, Rooney start putting on the heat um, and scored and, and brought it within one one try and all the way down to the last minute of the match when um, the number ten came through and I thought he was going to pop over the line there and tie it up or give him the opportunity to tie it up but uh, there was a little bit of a knock on at the back of the the mall 
um, with the scrum and they Seattle was able to get the ball back and clear it and uh, got away with a win. And I'd say they were pretty lucky at the end of the day there. Uh, maybe another five minutes or so, it could have been a different outcome. Mate, 22 penalties. Uh, did you, Any chance you found the pee in the whistle after the game or did it totally just evaporate at that point? Yeah, look, I, I think, you know, um, it's, it's, some teams are prepared to go and, um, you know, push the line, I think, um, and take a few few PKs, um, you know, early on. And, and Seattle certainly certainly did that. They were on a warning fairly early on and in, in, in the first 20 minutes they had a warning there. Um, and, you know, look, Rooney had all the opportunities, I think, in that first half to put some points on the board and, you know, a little bit of uh, – they weren't quite as um, – you know, clinical as they need to be at the line out and missed a few throws there. So they couldn't get their drive on as they normally do, which is a real powerful weapon um, for Rooney. Um, and look, and then again, in the second half, yeah, the penalty count was quite skewed um, against Seattle. And, you know, I think uh, that, that that suited Rooney and that got, that got them points on the board. So, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, you've, you've got to, you got to play rugby within the laws, eh? Yeah, I was just joking, mate. No need to give a real serious answer. I was just having a little back and forth with you, a little fun, trying to show the human side to the officials that we all forget sometimes. Yeah, Jeez, I, 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 yeah no, you're fine, mate. I, I have a peeless whistle, so I, I can blow it all night long. They have changed, huh? There's no – what is what used to be called the Acme Thunder. Thunderer, is that still around or is that gone? Yeah. No, that's that's still the that's still the classic. That's what we all use. Um, I, I still use the Thunderer. I wonder who I wonder who invented that. You just think every referee in the world uses that whistle. That's not a bad little gig if you could get it. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, Acme is a huge whistle company, and they they supply whistles all around the world for all sorts of different things. And if you have a spare, you know, five minutes to kill, you should go on the Acme Thunderer, you know, the Acme Whistle website and have a look. And I always thought watching the uh, you know the Wiley Coyote in the road, like the Acme was like dynamite, but it was the box was full of whistles, huh? Well, you know, throw the boxes on the on the on the road runner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It always had Acme written on the side. I Mate, guess. Yeah. The more you know, huh? The more you know. Yeah, indeed. All right, bud. Let's talk about the last game because you have one of the teams this week. You'll be refereeing uh, Utah San Diego this week. It was the Warriors taking on the uh, Toronto Arrows, their second game over the weekend, and this one was very, very tight up there. It was a lot closer than I think a lot of people anticipated it was going to be. But you have to think, you know, professional rugby, that turnaround is tough to recover. You would almost, and, and speaking from experience, Scott, you, you actually might be able to add on to this as a referee. I would almost rather play the next day because the soreness hasn't really started to set in. It's the day after that with lactic acid, you're really heavy and, you know, you're not feeling the best. And so that turnaround would have been very, very difficult for the Arrows. Yeah, look, I mean, you have to give them credit for, for how, you know, their, their management um, and their coaching staff and their athletic trainers manage the players because three three games in nine days, I think it was, um, I mean, that's that's massive at, at any level, I mean, let alone professional level. So, you know, obviously they've got some smart guys there in their management team and they, they manage the player rotation really well. And look, Toronto, you know, they're, they're a nuggety team and they, they stay in the fight. Um, and they always manage to find, you know, the try line when they need to. So I think this is their fifth win on on the trot. Um, so they've got the momentum behind them. But I watched this game, and mate, I tell you what, obviously the weather was pretty poor, but um, Utah really took it to them, and and it was touch and go. And 
you know, as much as you you know you want to be neutral as a, as a as a referee as a rugby fan, I thought that was a great game and and you know a little bit heartbreaking for Utah to lose it um, in the in the last play like that. So look, they had their opportunities. They had the ball on the on the five meter line. I think they had an attacking line out um, late in the second half and. Uh, it went off the top and they took it short and got tackled into touch. And I, and I really think if they had managed to go go infield a bit more, um, they could have picked pick and driven and uh, they would have probably got over the line and you know maybe could have won that game. But you know Utah, unfortunately, they they have been consistently inconsistent and um, you know what a heartbreak for them. I mean they're a good bunch of guys. I think they've got a great program up there. They've got some great players and and uh, their coaching staff are. You know, are always you know a pleasure to deal with. Um, to the referees, they treat us really well and and, and always nice to us. So, you know, um, you, you've got a you get a bit of a heartbreak for the guys, eh, to go that far and and be nipped at the end. Oh, so eloquent, Scott. I really do appreciate it, mate. Let's get. To, uh, I know it's late where you are. I'll let you get to bed, but I want to hear your final thoughts. So you're on your soapbox. You're at your platform. What do you want the world to know about? not only you as a person, but officials in general in Major League Rugby? Yeah, you know, um, well, first of all, again, you know, I'd say thanks for having a, having us on here. And um, it, it's it's always nice to, to to be able to talk refereeing. And um, so I, I do I do appreciate that. And look, I, you know, I, I guess what we what we would say as a referee group that we work really hard, um, you know, week in, week out, much like the players do, um, to, to have a good performance on the Saturday. And it, it, it means a lot to us, you know, as a referee group to make sure that we're getting these calls right. And, you know, when, when a referee makes a mistake or, or makes a call that's um, hard to follow, it, 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 we, it affects us just like a player when they knock the ball on or, you know, they make a silly play or a forward pass or what have you. So, you know, we, we do it because we, we love the game and, and we, we love the love to be involved in the sport. So, you know that that's really it. So next time you see a referee, not not so much in the professional, but you know if you're down on the field on a Saturday, and you know you see a referee, go up and thank them for the for their dedication to the game, and because the majority of them are doing it for free, and um, it, it's not the easiest thing to do. Uh, they definitely take a lot of feedback. Some of it's positive, a lot of it's uh, less positive. So yeah, yeah, I think uh, that's all we would ask for. Give give a referee a hug, mate. Mate, I got a little tear in my eye, and uh, I, can't, I can't wait. <laughs> Can't wait till the next time we get to catch up. I always enjoy our walks on the beach and coffee. Uh, it's one of the highlights of my year on the rugby side of things is to get to hang out with my uh, my good friend, Scott Green. So, mate, appreciate you joining the show. I'll let you get to bed. And good luck this weekend in Utah for that San Diego game. That should be an absolute cracker. Yeah, cheers, Dan. Um, thanks, everyone. And, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll look forward to our next uh, you know walk on the beach, mate. Can't wait. Can't wait. Hands in the back pocket. Prison rules. I love it. Okay. See you, you Greeny. Cheers, mate. There was Scott Green, MLR head referee. Well, speaking of big performances over the weekend as well, none were bigger than the South African-born England Seven Stars who now plays for Seattle. That's a confusing mouthful for you. It's Matt Turner, the Seawolves fullback, and he was deemed player of the week for Major League Rugby. He got a chance to sit down with our very own Pete Steinberg earlier today. Matt, thank you so much for joining us on Major League Rugby Kickoff, and congratulations on being selected as Player of the Week. No, thanks very much. Um, obviously, it was a great game this weekend. Uh, quite a few great games this weekend, to be honest. Um, and thanks for having me on on the the show. 
So, you know, you, you're always called the uh, England seven star and, and you absolutely were that. You were the leading try scorer in the World Series in one of the years that you played for England. But you don't sound as English as I sound. So talk to us a little bit about kind of your, your journey to England um, and then what brought you to the U.S.? No, so obviously, um, as you said, I don't sound very much like you, which is could be a good or a bad thing, depending where you, <laughs> where you look at it. Um, um, obviously, my, my parents are both British. Um, I, I was schooled back in South Africa, and, uh, you know, I, I played for SA. Uh, I was an SA in a 20 squad, um, and then actually got picked out of the SA Student Sevens Tournament, uh, where we played against Great Britain in Cordoba in Spain, and you know, the physio for the England team was the physio for the Great Britain team and found out I had a British passport and was like, well, we should look into this guy. And, you know, within six months, I found myself uh, in beautiful, sunny Bristol, which is pretty much like Seattle, where they're right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, sunny, sunny it is not. Sunny it is sunny it not, is not. not today. Um, so, yeah, so you were in the UK, you, you played for England for a number of years, and then what brought you to the US? So it's quite an interesting, interesting story. Um, obviously, when Adivis, now Adivis, uh, was Serevi, um, I, when I was playing for England, I roomed with Ben Gollings for the majority of well, the last couple of years of his career. Um, and he moved over to Seattle because um, of Chris Prentice starting up Serevi Rugby. And through the summers, uh, if, if I wasn't uh, selected for England for a couple of tournaments, I'd go play for the then Serevi team in Vegas. Um, and that's where I met Chris Prentice. Um, and sort of from there, I came over here to play nationals two seasons ago now. And he started talking about this professional league that's starting in America. You know, obviously, I was a bit skeptical in the beginning. I was like, yeah, yeah, I've heard that before. Um, and then I actually met Shane Skinner. The same that same summer, um, and he's like, "No, this is actually happening." And he said, "We'd love to have you be part of it." And then next thing you know, again, six months later, I was I was in Seattle, <laughs> and here I am. Now you you have uh, you know there's there's a number of player coaches out there, and in fact, in in, in Seattle um, last year, you won a a, a a championship with Phil Mack as your your player coach, and I think um, Phil and, and Rickard Hadding still have a big say, as I'm sure you do, and, and some of the other senior um, players. But but you you also have a dash or a slash. You are a player operations guy. So tell us a little bit about what you do for Seattle when you're not on the pitch and not practicing. Yeah, so I do the day to day stuff. You know, from hotel bookings to to flights um, to making sure everything's running smoothly here between players, players, coaches, and sort of your investors. Um, you know, it, it's it's one of those sort of uh, thankful, well, not thankful, what's the, I don't even know what the word is, where you just do the work and no one appreciates it. Um, <laughs> one of those jobs. Uh, you know, <laughs> thankless, I think, thankless is the word you're looking for. Thankless is the word for. I'm thankless. looking for. There we go, yeah. you know. Um, but, but, you know, it's, you know if, if you look at the league itself, you know, there's player coaches, um, and that's just where the league is. And I think it's the same thing from a logistics and managing side of you you know andrew down at austin is pretty much in the same role um that i'm doing you know staying in the day-to-day -day and being a link between the players and you know higher management um obviously that that's going to change in a couple of seasons times so the more and more you know the bigger the league gets and the more eyes on it the more people it's going to take to run this to run these franchises um but yeah that's that's sort of my role outside of running around with peroxide here on the field 
So, so if you um, like book a bad hotel or it's like a late flight, do you get the blame from your teammates? How does that work? Oh, I get all the, I get all the blame. <laughs> Even if I don't book it, I get the blame because for some reason, you know, you get a title and everyone thinks you're doing everything. So, <laughs> right. So they, always, they always turn to me and, you know, give me the looks or find me for, for something like that. But that's, you know, that adds to it. You know, it's part, now, now part, it's... part of the territory. It, do you see this as sort of, you know, a lot of people in player coaching see it as their first step towards coaching. Do you see yourself being more involved in the game of rugby once you hang up the boots kind of off the field in this operations role? That, that's sort of sort of my, I would say I love to say long-term goal, but it's, it's more of a medium short-term goal for me. Um, you know, I think, you know, a lot of guys go from playing and want to be coaches. I'm sort of on the different side of that. I would love to get on the, the logistics side or, you know, even better into the commercial and sponsorship side. Um, it's sort of the, the world that I want to get in. Um, and it's kind of where I see the league needing help is from a sponsorship point of view. Um, right. And, you know, from a, from a business point of view, if you've got to sell a, a sport to a market of people that don't quite understand the sport, what better way is it than having ex-players um, explaining the, you know, th- their journey as a player and what they've gained from, from the sport. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's 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 get onto the field and your journey as a player. And let's let, let's talk about what what was a really phenomenal game last week, um, where you know Seattle over, overcame Rooney um, 38-31. and you guys were up thirty-one-seven at half time. That may have been the, the best half of rugby you've played all season. What what were you guys doing in that first half that allowed you to be so successful? You know what, I think we were just taking our chances. You know, Rooney were, were a bit under pressure, um, you know, and, and they actually created the opportunities for us to um, to expose them in areas that we'd been focusing on the whole week. Um, don't I can't explain to you what happened at second time because I don't know, we were a completely different team that came out in the second half, which is, you know, which is a bit worrying. But, you know, we always look at the positives and, you know, focus on why it went so well in the first half um, and then internally look at, you know what, what we changed and why, um, and not make that mistake again, and the rest of this season because we don't have that opportunity to correct it anymore. Yeah, I mean you, your time is running out. You have three games left, so um, you know. And, and some people have said Seattle have one of the easiest run-ins because your last two games, um, both at home, uh, the first games against Utah, who, who can be a difficult team to play, and then finishing with winless Austin. But the big game for you in the home stretch is playing away at Glendale. Um, how, do you, how do you guys feel going into that game this weekend? Um, it's probably a bigger game for Glendale. For you, I mean, I think Seattle, if they win their last two games, are going to be in the playoffs. But for Glendale, that's a must win. If they, if they don't win that game, they, they probably don't make it. So how are you guys, what's your mentality going into that game? And, and what do you see about Glendale that you think you're going to have to deal with? Um, you know, we, we know we're going to, obviously focusing on ourselves this week. Um, you know, for us, it is, this is a game that we want to win. Last time we played at Glendale, they, they put us to the sword. I think it was 31-10 or around that. Um, you know, they, you know they, they, throughout the season, they've got better and better and they've got try-scoring threats all over the place with Muscles Ryberg running them in or left, right and centre at the moment. Um, yeah, you might, have yeah. To, you, you might have to make some open field tackles on him. I, my suggestion is just grab one leg. My, and hold my, on. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm just thinking stick and spokes, dive between and hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's no technique that 
that can help me there. Um, but hopefully that doesn't come to that. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, obviously all, all our focus is, you know, we, we need to set, you know, take what we did in the first half against New York and apply it to at least 75 minutes. And if we can do it for 80, I think we'll come out on top of that result. But, you know, it's going to be a bit of a test match game and it always is against Glendale. You know, you've got to take your points because they don't give you many opportunities to score. Um, yeah. But, as, you know, as I said, we're going to focus in on ourselves because we we, we feel we, we're in a good place uh, mentally and physically um, and from an injury point of view um, with guys returning from from injuries, you know, to bolster the squad. Um, and as you guys have all seen, a couple new signings um, will be hopefully be out there with us this coming week in, in Glendale. Yeah, I mean, nothing like picking up two former pros from overseas to help you guys out. So um, definitely a big boost. Let's let's talk a little bit about about sort of your season. I mean, Richie Walker came on um, late into the season or late into the preseason to help you guys get going. Talk a little bit about that transition. Last year was all player coach. Now um, you have a head coach, but still very player driven. How's that transition been? Um, it's been pretty smooth. The um, you know the reality of it is. When Richie came in, um, we all spoke about sort of we don't want to shake the, the boat too much. Um, you know, we we want to put a bit of Richie, a bit of Richie Walker style on things, um, but we don't want to change too much because you know once it's it's a working working model. Um, you know, and as right. as you guys know, Richie's a Richie's a great guy, um, very easygoing, and, and and he gets it. Um, and then um, you know having having a having just having someone there compared to last year it makes a lot. Of, takes a lot of pressure off the senior guys having to make those calls you know telling right. players you're not selected why um the why's and why's nots and you know having those awkward conversations that you know last season us players had to have with with our fellow players yeah that was definitely definitely tough well let's talk about how you guys interact with each other because every time i um i watch seattle i think that they have a new player when it turns out that players just dyed their hair so so what's your rule about about dyeing hair and and why is it that half the team all seem to have highlights? Um so we we have this uh you know if you get fined if you're late or you miss a meeting or or you do something stupid um you you have to roll the dice. Um and on the dice there's obviously each number represents a different punishment. Um so as you've noticed there's a lot of guys with peroxided or frosted tips as we call it. Um if you land on a 2 you've got to frost your tips. Um, you know, but you know, we have, is that, is that, is that the worst one? You don't have to tell me what the others are, but is that the worst one? Like are the others sort of like, you got to carry like the physios bag and things like that. Is that the one that really has the impact or is there another, as I said, you have to say what it is. Is there another one that is like, everyone's like, phew, I got two, but I didn't get that other one. No, I I think the frosted tips is probably the worst because you know, you, you get stuck with it. Um, (laughs) but, but I mean, you it depends who you are you know if you embrace it then it's not really a punishment um right but you know we, we we've had to make a few changes to that because frosted tips have become trendy in seattle um so we've now <laughs> we've now <laughs> we've now changed it from frosted tip to a spray tan so if you see a couple orange guys running on the field that's not a new sign up <laughs> as well <laughs> well look matt I, I i appreciate your time and, and to give us a little bit of insight into the seattle the seattle team certainly seems like a fun team to be around um i appreciate your time today and uh, look forward to seeing you um have another great game against glendale this weekend hey thank you very much guys i really appreciate it and uh 
you know, hopefully we can we can pull it out the bag this weekend and line ourselves up for the, the playoffs. There he is, Matt Turner from the Seawolves. And also joining us now is the man who interviewed him, Pete Steinberg. Pete, the dogs are walked, the kids are tucked in, ready for bed. You're ready to go. Let's let's rip in, mate. <laughs> well, yeah, it was great to hear Scott do um, such a good job. I, I'm concerned about uh, my ability to um, like fight off his competition. I thought he was outstanding in his previews. No, you're not going anywhere. You're, you're my little favorite. <laughs> I wouldn't do that to you. Greeny's got to stay in the middle. You've got to stay with me on the sidelines, so don't worry. You're not going anywhere, pal. Well, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be here and happy to talk about what's coming up. This is a big, big weekend for some of these teams. It certainly is. Uh, I don't have my soundbite ready for my He-Man um, for my power matchup of the week before we jump in. Should, should I just do it anyway? We should definitely do it anyway. Okay, and uh, we'll see if we can edit it in. We probably can't, but next week, I'll remember. I'll be on top of it. My power matchup of the week. Well, let me think about this really quickly. Well, it's got to go Seattle-Glendale, right? That's the big game this week. It has to go Seattle-Glendale. Everyone else is there. So where are you thinking the big matchup is going to be? I think I'm going to be a little different from you. You think same game though, right? Same game, um, but I'm going to be a little bit different from you too. I mean, I'm not going to go for the scrum. Are you going to go for the scrum? I, I, yeah, I was, I was, yeah. Okay, so that's fine. So, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go because it's like in my in my DNA. I'm going to go for the halfback matchup. Yeah, because I think what what's what what's interesting, and and part of this is like who's going to start for Seattle, right? We don't know. They've got Phil Mack and they've got JP Smith, and they're both very different scrum halves right jp smith i think has better service phil mac is more creative a better runner creates more so i it's going to be interesting but we know who's starting for glendale and that's sean davies and it's going to be sean davies ability um to be able to clear the ball from a scrum that we know is going to be going backwards that's going to be critical if he can get that ball away from the base if he's able to get his team into some attacking structure from those scrums then glendale have a chance of this and if he can't do it i don't think they're going to win yeah, I wonder if they stay with the hot hand too at, at fly half. They keep Malifa there. Or you think McGee wants to come back in? You know, McGee's got a lot more runway in front of him in terms of his rugby career. But the question is, does the pressure from Gary Gold and USA to say, hey, Will's going to be going to Japan, we need him getting minutes here, does that supersede Dave Williams and Glendale saying, Adam Malifa gives us the best chance to win? So, so are, are we are we in the preview now, or are we doing the power match? No, I'm still power match up. <laughs> you took me you you took me down the rabbit hole. Yeah, I, uh, I did take you down the rabbit hole. So, what's your power? So, my, my power match because we'll talk about Adam Lee from Will McGee, but we've got some more games. So, so what's your is. power match up? It is it, it is it's Glendale's entire forward pack versus Seattle's entire forward. It's pack versus pack. And uh, Seattle continue to get stronger and stronger. Obviously, the addition of Samu Manoa is a big one. I wait anxiously for the return of Vili Tolitahu as well. Um, I, I'm told that's imminent. It, I've, you know, I talk to these guys from time to time, and Vili seems in very good spirits and very confident that this could be the week he gets back on the field. So that pack just keeps getting stronger and stronger. I didn't get a chance to see much of Samu play. How did he look? I mean, so every time he was around the ball, he had an impact. Like, you'd be like, who made that big hit? And you're like, oh, it was Samu. 
but he did look, I think, a little bit off the pace. I mean, it was a tough game to come in, right? So, you know, I know you did the uh, review with Scott, but the one thing I want to say that I thought was interesting in the Seattle Rooney game, which I think is going to be critical in this Glendale game for Seattle, is in the first half, the Seattle forwards, I think, physically dominated the Rooney forwards. And the second half, they couldn't do that. And I think that you're right. I think the Glendale forwards, we, I think it's unlikely. I don't think they're going to do it in the scrum, but if around the field, they're able to win that point of contact against Seattle, then I think Glendale have a chance of winning this game. But that's a tough pack. And I think that Samu Mino is going to get better, right? He's going to, he's going oh, to get yeah. better each game. And that is a physical team. So this is going to be a great test for that Glendale pack. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's good. All right, mate. Let's do the games. It uh, kicks off on Saturday at 5 p.m. Eastern. 2 p.m. Pacific. It's the Sabercats down in New Orleans on Cox Sports and ESPN+. Plus. Well, this one really is – I really would have liked to have seen Houston play another week under Paul Emmerich uh, and see – you know, they, I felt their improvement was a lot uh, – was, was pretty significant against Rooney the week before. And it'd be interesting to see now with another week under his belt the changes he can make to the side. We're not going to get that luxury, unfortunately. And uh, again, New Orleans, they got both those sides on the weekend, Pete. They got so banged up. There were injuries everywhere. And the question is, is Tristan Blewett okay? JP Eloff, I didn't mention him earlier as well. He got a, a knock. I caught up with him after the game and he was he was okay. He was with it. you know. So I don't think it was a real bad concussion. And kudos to Nate Osborne and the whole crew down there not letting him back on the field. I know there's a lot of pressure on them to win games, but I, player player I, welfare is just. I did speak to Ryan Fitzgerald today, and he said it's only Tuesday, but both are expected to be available. Oh, good. They need both of them, uh, even against Houston. I think they need both of them. But well, I, I, mean, want... I, mean, I, think, I mean, I think before you before you do your all right, we'll do your prediction before I say what I'm going to say. You're so sneaky. You're so sneaky. What are you going to oh, say? No, I mean, well. Here's, here's the thing that I think is going to be interesting in this game. So if I'm Paul Emmerich, I actually want that that bye week because that that allows me to do more work. Um, you know, one of the interesting things I was I was talking to um, a GM of, of one of the teams that's in the playoff hunt, and he was talking about how difficult it is and, and how how much of a grind it is. And, you know, it's like Groundhog Day every day. It's, and I'm like, well, you guys are in the playoff hunt. Imagine the teams that aren't. So... Being able to get that weekend off allows Paul to do two things. It allows him to refresh the team, but it gives him time. I mean, when you you know what it's like, Dan. When you get into this time of the season, there's very little practice that actually happens. It's mainly recovery and a bit of prep. So it gave him a little bit of time to do that. The second thing that I think is interesting is that Houston's strength in the scrum is one of the big weaknesses of Nola. Nola's scrum, since they've lost Bentar, has been below par it's been the weakness it's the, it's their achilles heel so i think it's going to be really interesting we've seen houston use that scrum to such great effect that they've been able to score they scored 44 points against glendale primarily because they had this scrum we know they've got players in the back line um so i think this is going to be an interesting game yeah no you're right and i think that was a I think San Diego watched the film from the weekend too and be like, we probably should have exerted more dominance at the scrum. Nola did a great job getting that ball out on their own feet. I mean, literally it was in there for half a second and Cam Dolan just, boom, it was gone. But uh, when San Diego had to put in, I don't think they really tightened the screws as hard as they could. They could have got some uh, more uh, relief from pressure situations with that scrum. But back to the game. I, uh, I digress. I will go New Orleans at home. Too much to play for there. I think 
again, talking to Nate Osborne over the weekend, he's uh, they've done the math and they want a home semifinal and uh, they know what they need to do to, to get that. So I don't think they'll be very complacent in this game. I think they'll get it done down there. It'll be a tight game. I think the conditions will keep it low scoring, similar to what it was over the weekend with San Diego. Uh, I'll say it's going to be uh, 32-17. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think this is Nola Golda. One of the interesting things is that is is to look at the run-in and say which of the teams that aren't in the hunt, Utah, Houston, and Austin, which of those teams are going to pull an upset? Because there's kind of assumption in everyone's models and predictions that those guys are going to lose against the top six. And, and you know, I think one of them's going to pull off. I just don't think it's Houston. I don't think it's this game. Um, I'm, with, I'm with you. But I think Houston scrum gives them a little bit more dominance I think you'll see a little bit more variety in the attack. Hopefully, we'll see that backline operate a little bit more efficiently. It'll be interesting to see if um, Tug Leader is picked. He was picked up by Nola. If, if we see him play, which gives them a better kicking option at 10. I think Scott Gale's a better runner. Um, so I think this is Nola Gold. I think this is going to be a lot of points. I think this is Nola Gold 38 and um, Houston uh, 26. Yeah, it was an interesting signing, wasn't it? I would have thought San Diego with uh, Peterson taking a nasty knock to the leg and uh, tag leader being familiar with San Diego would have gone back there. But Ryan Fitzgerald, he's a smart man down there. He knows something we don't, and he's uh, pulled a, a rabbit out of the hat. So that will be interesting. But let's move on, mate. It's uh, same day, later game, CBS game of the week. It's going to be Seattle at Glendale. Uh, Glendale also no game over the weekend as it was delayed. We'll take the uh, Wolves who beat Rooney out in New York over the weekend. Who's gone first on this one? This is going to be the toughest one to pick on the weekend. I'll I'll, I'll go first on this one. I'm just going to say that on Saturday I'm in Europe. So I'm actually in Switzerland. And so this is going to be midnight. But this is a game I might stay up for. Oh, I think lag. this jet is going to be a great right? yeah, yeah, jet lag should help me out. But this game is going to be phenomenal. I think that this is going to be a great game. I think Glendale played one of their best games that they've maybe ever played last week. Um, I think they're on a run. I think I think Seattle's first half might have been the best first half that they've ever had. I think um, you know they're going to be integrating some new players. I think, and this is a game that Glendale absolutely have to win. If Glendale lose this game, their odds of making the playoffs go down um seattle win this game i mean seattle have uh, you know i think they have utah and austin at the end their last two games both at home i think they'll be confident about winning those two they don't have to win this game but they do need to get a couple of bonus points um but i'm going to come back to the scrum uh um it's going to be interesting glendale lost their tight head um in the first three minutes last week um so they're not going to have that i you know i don't i haven't heard of anyone coming in to help in terms of sort of either on the coaching or player side, um, Seattle looked good in the scrum. I think the scrum's going to be the difference. I think Glendale are going to play well, but I think they're going to suffer in field position because of scrum penalties. So I think Seattle are going to pull this off. Um, I think they're going to pull it off. I think it's going to be a tight game. I think this is going to be 25-22. And I'm going to agree with you. I think there's a lot of things that Glendale are doing that can win them the game. And here's an interesting one. We talked about Malifa and McGee and Malifa the hot hand. This may be an unpopular belief or theory, and uh, this is not a knock on Atta because I adore Atta Malifa. I think Will McGee is more suited to beat Seattle than Atta. Atta's completely in- agree. 
taking on the line up there plays into Seattle's hands the way they defend. And I think, you know, Seattle, the teams that have beaten Seattle and New Orleans and San Diego have that firepower out wide and they've exploited that um, with some mismatches, especially through the midfield. I know the Sunula brothers are there now and that's going to shore that up a little bit, but that midfield's always been an issue for Seattle. Uh, I would go McGee to start if you want a chance and just kind of try to run them wide and let DTS play a little second receiver even. Pets are on his inside, London on the outside. But uh, I just don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, and I, and I think, and I think, and I think McGee also gives you a better kicking option. And I think territory is going to be important for these guys. Like I said, there's going to be penalties at the scrum that they're going to give up, and they want to give up those penalties in Seattle's half. They don't want to be giving up in their half. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I think, I think Will McGee brings a, I think Adam Alifa on the front foot. If you feel like you're going to be on the front foot, is the better option. But I think Will McGee behind a pack that was potentially going backwards has more to bring to the table. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think the kicking game is going to be key for both sides. So I think you may actually see JP Smith start for Seattle in this one just because of altitude and kicking game. And, you know, Matt Turner, what a game he had last week. He's played, but you got a chance to talk to him. But I always feel when he's at the back there, he gets a little, uh, he gets a little confident in his kick return sometimes and occasionally will bring one back that he shouldn't. So I think if you test him enough and put enough kicks down there, eventually you can kind of dangle that carrot and, and lure him into a trap of bringing the ball back when he shouldn't, as long as you kick Chase is strong up there. But that that one's going to be a great game. I'm going to go Seattle too, and I think it's going to be super tight, very tight. What do you say, 25-22? Yep. Yeah, I'll, I'm hard to stray from that. I'll go... Uh, I'll go 21-19. So same differential, few less points. I think defense is going to be huge. Desperate. Desperation in both sides, and the defense will definitely lift up quite a bit. All right, mate, let's move on. Late night game on Saturday at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. It's the Legion at the Warriors. This one on KMYU in Utah, the CW in San Diego, and ESPN Plus everywhere else. How do you see this one playing out? Oh, I mean, I think this is San Diego's game, right? Um, I think I think what we don't know is we don't know how good Utah are going to be. They've been so up and down. They had a great game last week um, against uh, um, Toronto. They played really well. You see that, but then they're down. It's also, you know, this is a home game for them, but I can't see them. I, I can't, you know, I mean, I guess if um, Joe Peterson is out, that's, a, you know, that would make it a more interesting game. Um, but um, he's a tough guy. I think he'll be back. And even with him out, I think San Diego have so many weapons to um, to open up. I mean, you could see what they did when they put Kearns in at 12, right? They're moving people around. They've just got good rugby players. I think even even at that, it's it's San Diego. But I think Utah have, you know, played well. Um, so I think this is going to be um, San Diego 35, Utah 21. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. Peterson, we, we had to watch the replay. He was down grabbing at his knee and you thought the worst. Uh, you could you could almost take a, a red pen and put a line through San Diego if he would blow on his knee out. It would have been that big, uh, big of a loss. He's that important to that side. But on the replays, it was just a clash of legs between him and Holden Youngett. So structurally, I didn't see anything that could be uh, serious, but a deep, deep contusion or deep cork in the in the thigh there around the knee area, always a punish. But he's got a week to work it out, and I don't think it'll be great. It won't be perfect, but it'll be enough for him to, 
to get through that game. So I'll right. go San Diego out there as well. Um, hopefully Ryan Mattias back. He'll be a nice little finish. They need some speed out wide to counteract some of that speed. You know, that Gannon Moore's doing well. Anderson playing on the wing, the big uh, the big guy. He's got some wheels as well. And Don Party always dangerous. But I think, again, like you said, San Diego, everything to play for. So I'll go San Diego, 32-19. Uh, All right. That's Last it. game. Last game. Austin Elite out at Rugby United New York. This one on SNY and then ESPN Plus everywhere else. Rooney, I think they've got to win. I, it's, I don't think. I know. If they lose this game, their season is uh, underwater and uh, well and truly, you can almost say off life support at this point. So I will go Rooney to uh, bounce back into form at home. I believe it's their last home game of the year. Maybe they've got one more there. Not too sure. I have to check the schedule. Let me check the schedule. But <laughs> I'll go Rooney either way. I think they'll get a good win at home. 42-12. So they have they have Nola the following week at home before they're away they at Toronto. And um, yeah, they do. And and you know, one of the interesting things about the Rooney game was I thought we began to see the old Cahill Marsh. He ran to the line, he took breaks. I think that that's going to be really important for them. Um, you know, Rooney have not played well recently and they've definitely been struggling, but I don't think, you know, Austin haven't been playing well and, and, you know, it's hard to see where they get their points. Um, and I think, you know, Rooney are just, um, significantly better than them. You know, there's no place in the game where you say, we think that, um, Austin are better. And so, you know, I think this is Rooney. I think it's relatively easy. I think it's something like, um, you know, 26, 10. Well, it's a little tighter, huh? I, I think they'll blow them out. I think they've got to get their... Well, I mean, I mean if, 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 you, if you look at... Well, I think that's with, that's with their four tries and three conversions. But if you, if you look at the games that are being played um, at that stadium, like the weather's very changeable. There's, um, you know, I'm not sure, like the width of the pitch. There's something there that, that teams, you know, it, it hasn't been... It doesn't feel to me like a team, like a, a blowout place. Um, and Rooney haven't been playing well enough to do that. So it'll be, uh, if, if you know, I think I think for Rooney, what I'll agree with you, Dan, is I think for Rooney, like I think they need to have a great game and a blowout to build their confidence for their NOLA game the following weekend and then Toronto, which are two games that they're going to have to win. Sounds like gorgeous weather on Coney Island this weekend in the uh, mid-60s. Uh, that's, well, mid-60s and probably windy. <laughs> Not, have, you, have you done a game there yet? I have done a game there. What do you think of it? Um, I, I mean, I love the setting. I think the setting's great. Like, I, I walked along the boardwalk. I got the hot dog at Nathan's. Um, I think, I think the stadium's actually, actually pretty good. I mean, it doesn't, um, you know, I think the surface seems pretty good. It, 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 it you know, I, it's not bad. But you're like right on the coast, so it's going to be windy most of the time when you're there. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's one of the coolest locations I've ever called a rugby game at, just with the theme park in yeah. the background. You're on the board. And uh, I was talking to James Kennedy, and you know, he, I think he has an appreciation for the fact the weather really hasn't been their best friend. And when they uh, probably were looking at facilities, it was like a good weather summer and the boardwalk was just packed. And as an entrepreneur and as you know, like an, an owner, you're looking at that going – Look at all these potential customers. If we can put on a show, we can get these people through the you know the turnstiles will start spinning. Come to Coney Island, you know, have a hot dog, watch some rugby, go on a roller coaster. Maybe not in that order, but 
Uh, <laughs> you know, it, yeah, it, I can it, see. it makes yeah, sense. Absolutely. It's just it's just Mother Nature. Uh, I don't think Mother Nature's a Rooney fan. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, buddy, it was a short one tonight, huh? Well, it was a short one for me. You and yeah. Scott held the uh, – so I appreciate Scott, although I know Scott um, – was probably happy to do the uh, to do the show with you, and uh, and 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 uh, um, you know you guys get to get to hang out. Um, but yeah, uh, it's well, you know, it's it, we can be short because these games are, are getting great, and uh, um, just all just so excited for the last few weeks to see where everything ends up. You want to have a stab at your top four? Sure, I, I I have my little predictor app, so I went through that, and and my top four is, um, I have uh, um, I actually have Nola finishing top and sixty three points. I have San Diego um, second at sixty two. I have Seattle third at sixty one, and then I have Toronto fifty eight. But that is with Toronto running the table. So the Glendale Toronto game is another huge game. I mean, you know the. Uh, um, for Glendale, obviously, you know if they don't if they don't pull this off, it's it's going to be uh, um, it's going to be very disappointing for them as as a finalist, and and probably they would say the best team from from year one. But they they're going to really have to. I mean, I think even if they win two games, I think that they will um, they'll still need some help. I so agree. even yep, even even if they win their two games, yeah. Yep. So, I like I said, I I think the really interesting thing is to say where's the upset going to be. So you can look and you say, well, who, which of the bottom three, you know, Utah could upset Seattle. It's in Seattle. Um, Utah, you know, could upset San Diego. That's the game we talked about that that's this week. Um, but I think that I think that that's that's unlikely. And so that you know, there's not going to be many opportunities for upsets. I don't think. Um, those are the those are the last two games for Utah with the top six. So, um, you know, I think that things are probably probably going to go to form. I think that we've had these breaks, and you know, if you're Glendale, you look back at the two ties that they had, and you said that's where our season, um, you know, that's that's where we really dug a hole for us that we have to dig our way out of. Yeah, and it's difficult. We talked about this early in the year, Pete. And it was like you can't let yourself get too far behind because that race down the stretch as we were looking at the schedule, it, just, it was going to be difficult. And the big advantage for Toronto was that whole stretch is at home for them. It's, you know, right. with, the, with the exception of the Nola slip-up, they haven't really, and even though it was a tight game against Utah and, and Austin, they can be forgiven for how that scheduled out for them. They haven't really looked like they've been, you know, overly concerned with any of the competition they've had up at home. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so you know, it's going to be really interesting to see how this lay, lays out. And I think, you know, almost every team um, has a player that if they lose that player, then that team really is really going to struggle. And so, you know, for some of them, it's the tight head prop. For some of them, it's the fly half or a scrum half. And so it, it, even when we look at the end of the season, we really need to factor in some of those injuries. Like, you know, do we know that Joe Peterson is playing this weekend? I mean, if he doesn't play for San Diego, right? If he doesn't play for San Diego, I think San Diego still probably makes the playoffs, but they probably don't get a home a home semifinal. And they yeah. probably don't win that home semifinal. And that's so, your upset there, Utah over San Diego. That's a possibility without right, Joe, I think. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, it's going to be 
it's going to be fascinating to watch. I'm going to watch as much as I can on the Facebook stream as an international, um, uh, you know, when I'm in, when I'm in Europe and, uh, um, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm going to be very jet lagged and, and very miserable on Sunday. I think. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> this is your last weekend off, right? You're back. You're back on the microphone next week. I am back on the microphone next week. Yeah, I have. So in, in, interesting, the last two CBS games are uh, um, not uh, do not um, involve playoff contenders. No, again, so, that was a scheduling. Yeah, uh, yeah so scheduling. So I have the last early two, in the year, and I have the, so I have the last two CBS games. But the best thing for me is I get the San Diego Nola game in San Diego on June second. So last game of the year. Um, that's going to be a real cracker. Oh, you're going out. That will be a great game. We were talking about that earlier. Well, yeah. fly safe. Enjoy uh, Switzerland and wherever else you go over there, you jet-setting sensation. But uh, we will catch you next week and uh, hopefully review some of these great games over the weekend.